welcome to the special presentation where we spotlight a podcast from the Love Thy Nerd community. And for our final LTN spotlight this month, we have got the Postmodern Realities podcast with Melanie Cogdill. She's going to be talking about the gospel according to Marvel with Dr. John McAteer. Let's go. Thank you for tuning into the Postmodern Realities Podcast from the Christian Research Institute and the Christian Research Journal. It's May 2017, and you're listening to Episode 39 of Postmodern Realities, and I'm Melanie Cogdell, Managing Editor of the Christian Research Journal. On this episode, I'm joined by Dr. John McAteer. John is an Assistant Professor and Chair of the Online Liberal Arts Program at Ashford University. He has a BA in Film from Biola University, a MA in Philosophy of Religion and Ethics from Talbot School of Theology, and a PhD in Philosophy from the University of California at Riverside. Back in 2015, in the volume 38, number three issue of the Christian Research Journal, John wrote our cover article for that issue called The Gospel According to Marvel, which is available free online at our website, equip.org. John, it's good to have you on. Always a pleasure. Well, superheroes are kind of, you know, the retro is the new big in thing, I guess, these days. We've got, I just saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and I know Spider-Man's coming out, and um, we've got Thor and Black Panther next year and more Avengers, and um, also TV series are probably pretty big in superheroes these days, and not just that, um, my youngest son and I sometimes like to watch unboxing videos um, on YouTube of subscription boxes to you know, various different superhero franchises. So it's become kind of a big business these days. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think it's, there's always been um, some kind of hero, hero stories in, in um, every culture, right? So if you think back to the, the Greek, uh, Greek myths, uh, Greek and Roman myths, there's stories of gods and demigods and, and heroes and people. And I think, um, you know, that kind of evolves into um, the stories of, of knights, the round table, and King Arthur, and Robin Hood, and then that kind of evolves into stories of, you know, westerns and cowboys and, uh, you know, the Lone Ranger and all that stuff. So there's always been this kind of um, hero stories in every every culture. Uh, even even Christian culture, you know, if you think about uh, medieval stories of um, you know saints, I think that's uh, largely the function that those stories uh, play is kind of giving Christian culture this kind of uniquely Christian um, hero to to think about, or or even in the Bible, uh, if you think back to you know stories of the the judges in the Old Testament and, and things. So there's. Uh, I, I'm not sure there's been any kind of culture without these sorts of stories, and, and superheroes are kind of our current day version of this. Um, I'm not entirely sure why that would be. Why, why um, uh, you know, 21st century America turns to superheroes um, as our culture's myth. Um, maybe it has something to do with uh, you know, superheroes are um, they tend to be a little bit more. Um, Science-based, maybe you know they're they're usually like aliens or, or mutants or um, 
something like that. Maybe they're just a billionaire with a, a cool suit. Um, but there's something about them that can be uh, explained scientifically. Uh, they're not just, um, you know, gods and things. So, so maybe there's something to do with that. But I'm really not sure why superheroes have um, have taken over our culture. But um, it's it's not anything completely new. I don't think. In your particular article, you know, is obviously focused on Marvel because it's called the Gospel According to Marvel. And as I mentioned, you know, they are the ones who publish the Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider Man, and so forth. Um, why in particular is Marvel doing so well right now in our culture? Specifically, Marvel's kind of the big franchise of all their different heroes. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have one kind of cynical answer to that, and that's just that uh, it maybe has something to do with uh, you know, the Walt Disney Corporation. Um, you know, they're the greatest marketing and merchandising you know, industry that's ever existed. Um, and they bought uh, Marvel back in 2009, which is pretty much when um, superheroes kind of took over pop culture, I think. Suddenly, you know, Marvel was everywhere uh, after 2009, and they started cranking out these movies, uh, you know, two or three a year um, ever since. Um, and then all the other merchandising that goes along with that. But I think, um, you know, a less kind of cynical um, answer would be to say, um, I, I mean, one, it helps that the what Disney's done with Marvel, in particular the movies, uh, the Marvel movies are actually pretty good, I think, for the most part, especially compared to um, the other non-Marvel um, movies, if you think about the recent, you know, Superman and Batman movies, um, just in the same time period since uh, 2009, they, they haven't been um, as good. Um, there's also something, I think, more um, culturally resonant about the Marvel characters um, compared to to other um, superhero brands, um, which I guess I can talk more about. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously the two main, um, you know, brands or franchises that we know about are Marvel and DC. Of course, there's all kinds of other sub-brands. I mean, the whole entire comic. We, we've done an article um, a couple of years ago on manga and it just in general, the whole idea of all these comic books has just exploded in our culture. But um, what are the differences between Marvel comics and say other comic book brands like DC? Yeah. I mean, like you say, the main uh, competitor, and when I think of, I'm kind of thinking of American uh, comics, so I, I couldn't uh, comment as much on the, the manga. Um, but in terms of American comics, um, uh, yeah, the main main competitor would probably be uh, DC. Um, and if you think uh, DC is is really like uh, what historians of comics call um, the golden age uh, comic um, uh, brand, you know, they started back in the the 30s and 40s. Uh, they have a lot of the original kind of iconic superheroes, like um, Superman was the first, and then you know Batman and Wonder Woman, and some of those uh, original oldest. Uh, comics and, and they you know flourished uh, like I said in the 30s and 40s, but then kind of um, declined in um, in the 50s and then in the 60s you had the what we call the the Silver Age of comics. There was this rebirth of a, kind of a different kind of superhero that brought about through Marvel, um, and then uh, the, there's a, a third age 
more like in the 90s um, after super, uh, comics had uh, declined again and then you had um, the rise of graphic novels. Things got a lot more dark and violent and um, there were more adult themes and things. Um, but if you think just about um, kind of the golden age and the, versus the, the silver age, um, DC versus Marvel, uh, one, one of the big differences I've heard uh, people try to say is that uh, you know DC are the characters with capes and Marvel characters don't have capes. Which is kind of a, a joke, I think, but not, it's not universally true, but, but there's something to that. But I think a more important difference is that, uh, you know, the DC Golden Age characters um, tend to be these um, kind of larger than life um, iconic figures that, you know, is describing. Um, they're really removed from ordinary life. If you think about, you know, Superman and Wonder Woman, um, they're they're aliens. They come from another world and come here, and they're not quite human. They're, um, you know, perfect and uh, flawless in certain ways. Uh, even you know, Batman is is a human and a little bit more flawed, but he is this uh, you know billionaire uh, figure. He's, he's a genius. You know, he's not like um, ordinary people. Um, and all of these people, uh, the, the thing that I came up with as I was trying to describe the difference to this in my article between Marvel and DC, I, I discovered that the um, seems to be most of the, the DC characters are, um, you know, superheroes always have a, an alter ego, you know, a, a secret identity. In, in DC, it's always the, um, the hero puts on a disguise to disguise themselves as a regular person. So Superman is, is Kal-El. He's this uh, alien from another planet. He comes to Earth and dresses up like an ordinary person, like uh, Clark Kent, but he's really a superhero. But then you contrast that with, um, with Marvel. In Marvel, it's, it's the other way around. It's ordinary people who put on a disguise to become a hero. So if you think about Spider-Man, He's um, Peter Parker is just this ordinary um, teenager who um, is not an alien. He's not a, a super being. He's just a kid who accidentally uh, gets these superpowers, and then he puts on a disguise to become Spider-Man. So um, it's the difference between you know a, a super being pretending to be an ordinary person versus an ordinary person becoming a, a superhero. So that, that's one of the main contrasts. But what that does, I think, um, that different approach to the heroes, been the, the Golden Age versus the Super, uh, the uh, Silver Age, I think gives Marvel a more kind of down-to-earth, realistic approach to these heroes. Uh, Marvel wants you to identify with the characters. Um, maybe this is just a difference between the 30s and the 60s. You know, the 60s was much more. Uh, about this kind of youth movement. Um, they wanted you to identify with the, the characters, not just idolize them as, um, you know, more important than yourself, the way that the DC characters are. You know, we, you might look at Superman and, and fantasize about, you know, what it would be like to have those powers. What if I could fly? What if, you know, I was impervious to, to being shot or whatever? But you don't, um, you don't, it's hard to identify with Superman as a person. You know, he's too perfect. He's, he never makes mistakes. He never learns anything. He's just there, you know, um, beyond ordinary humanity. But then when we read a story of Spider-Man, you know, as Peter Parker, uh, especially if you're reading him as a, as a teenager, you know, you can really watch his ordinary life struggles. He goes to school. He worries about grades and about, um, you know, he has to get a job after school to help pay for his aunt who's sick. Um, and he has these really ordinary life 
struggles that you can identify with. Um, and you, uh, he doesn't always make the right choices, you know, so he, he's not uh, perfect and he learns things. And a lot of Marvel characters are like that, I think. And that gives them a kind of uh, realism compared to uh, other, other comics like DC. That's really um, uh, the strength, I think, of Marvel. You're listening to the Postmodern Realities Podcast from the Christian Research Institute and the Christian Research Journal. Today's guest is John McAteer. And back in 2015, in the volume 38, number three issue of the Christian Research Journal, John wrote our cover article for that issue called The Gospel According to Marvel. And it's available free online at our website, equip.org. To read more cultural apologetics articles, including upcoming features, on hip-hop, covering Chance the Rapper and Kendrick Lamar, please um, subscribe to the journal, and a six-issue subscription is thirty nine fifty. and to subscribe online, visit equip.org. We were just talking about the differences between two views of heroism, between DC and their heroes that seem perfect, and Marvel characters who seem more down-to-earth and more real, you know, just the perfection of the DC versus the ordinary with the Marvel. But you know, when you think of superheroes, aren't we supposed to have them as role models? Aren't we supposed to look at them as these perfect beings, kind of like Superman, like unattainable? They're something to look up to? Yeah, I mean, like you say, I think that is just sort of two different approaches to to heroes, and then they can both be um, valuable in, in their own way. Um, but at the same time, you know, I wouldn't say the contrast is, is just, you know, between being a role model versus not being a role model, because I do think most... Um, classic Marvel characters like Spider-Man and um, Thor and, and, you know, the Avengers and those people. I do think they can be um, role models. They're... um I think they're um, they're actually better role models than Superman and Batman because uh, precisely because they're not um, so uh, you know far removed from ordinary life. Um, you can um, you can identify with them and learn how um, learn from them how they overcome their mistakes. You can then apply that and learn in your own life how to overcome your challenges and. Uh, because they're they're real people like you, you can actually imagine yourself being them. So you might think being a, a role model actually requires you to be able to imagine yourself as the other person. So if they're too perfect, then they they don't have that role model function. Whereas uh, you know Marvel characters uh, being down to earth allows them uh, to be role models because you can put yourself um, into their position. And they're not um, the Marvel characters. They're not sort of naturally good. Um, they have to learn how to be good. Um, they, they get these powers, and, and there's usually this process in their um, origin story or whatever where they they learn to become a hero. And I think that's um, uh, that's something that we can identify with. You know, we um, uh, we're just like them. We're flawed characters. You know, we we may find ourselves with some some unique ability. I mean, I think this is a a, a biblical. Um, theme that, you know, that God gives everybody gifts, whether it's um, spiritual gifts, supernatural gifts, or just our ordinary natural abilities and talents. Um, you know, we all have something that God has given us um, that we are to steward and use for, for God's glory uh, and to, to be a force for good in the world. Um, but then uh, nobody's perfect. You know, we're all tempted to use our our natural abilities and, and gifts for uh, selfish gain, or, or just to, to not even use them at all. And so, um, you know, we're all we're all sinners. 
at the same time, um, we uh, no one is beyond redemption, right? Um, even if you fail, you can always have another chance, and um, there's always that uh, you know next next opportunity to use. Uh, your your life to glorify God, and so um, you know when we fail, we can be forgiven. And I think this um, takes us beyond the the typical um, kind of black and white world of DC comics. If you think about Superman versus um, uh, Lex Luthor or whatever, uh, it's just sort of Superman is perfectly good and Lex Luthor is perfectly evil, and um, you know the, the good guys versus bad guys thing. Whereas um, I, I don't think that's uh, especially biblical. That sounds more like kind of Manichaeanism, where there's you know good versus evil. But in, in Christianity, we have um, even um, you know our saints, uh, Paul and Peter and, and people like that, are, have themselves a mixture of of good and and sin. And uh, even our you know the villains in the stories. Um, in in Christianity can still be redeemed, and you actually see um, you know people like Paul, you know, who were initially a villain in the story, and then he's he's redeemed. So, and that seems more um, not only realistic but also so biblical. So we get this this sense um, in, in Marvel stories where I think um, they're all they're all stories about ordinary flawed people who find themselves with these unique abilities and then have to figure out how to use those abilities. Uh, to be a, a force for good in the world. And that's where you get uh, Spider-Man's motto, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think that's a, a motto that applies to all, all Marvel superheroes, and, and for us as well. There's also a flip side, I think, to some of the things that we are just talking about, in that um, there are some flawed, you know, more than flawed, dark superheroes in the Marvel Universe. And we had a previous podcast when we talked about um, anti-heroes, and I'm thinking of things like Deadpool for sure, but, you know, dark, gritty characters like Wolverine and so forth. And those kinds of approaches, when you see those movies, they can be, um, you know, immoral even and very violent. So um, how can these really, you know, almost anti-heroes be role models for kids, or should those kinds of superheroes that we see from Marvel be avoided? Should we not, um, you know, watch movies or read comics about those particular kind of anti-hero superheroes? Yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, a challenge for sure. And I, I uh, like you said, we did that whole other podcast about that. So I hope your listeners, if they missed that one, can go back and listen. I won't kind of re-say everything we talked about then, but um, in general, I would say here it's not just uh, Marvel. Uh, you know, Marvel, as I said, started the the whole idea of having the flawed hero back in the 60s and um but now DC and other comics have become less idealistic too so starting in in kind of the late 80s and early 90s you see this new uh new interpretation of Batman uh, the where Batman becomes much darker and more violent um and more flawed, uh, and so you have, um, you know, all, all comics have, have shifted this direction. So I think it's, it's really just what happened in American culture in general. You know, every, every um, bit of pop culture became a lot, uh, you know, more uh, dark and immoral um, in that time period. So I could, and I, in fact, I, I, one thing I try to argue in the, the article I wrote for uh, the Gospel According to Marvel, in some ways you could think this is actually um, a direct consequence of Marvel's um, 
desire to be realistic, right? So if you think about um, back in the 60s, they wanted to have, uh, you know, psychologically realistic characters that are ordinary people and they're kind of like regular people in real life. Well, then when um, culture as a whole becomes darker and more violent and more sexualized and uh, more immoral, then that leads them to push their characters in the comics to become more like that in the attempt to seem more realistic. So um, that's maybe a dark side of this um, quote-unquote realism that uh, they've gotten themselves in this corner of having to push further and further in the name of realism. As the the culture gets more vulgar, then the characters become more vulgar. So that's definitely a problem. Um, And and I would never suggest that, uh, you know, Deadpool or or those kind of characters would be role models in, in any way. Um, Parents definitely need to to exercise a lot of, uh, a lot of caution. And, And I would say, um, in, in the 80s and 90s, um, the appropriate age or the, the kind of um, target demographic for comics got a lot older than it was previously. So comics these days are, are a lot of times aimed at adults. So you shouldn't think that just because it's a comic book that it's for kids. So finally, um, what's the apologetic value of comics? In other words, how can Christians make use of comics in talking with people about faith or reaching out to people using particularly focusing on using superheroes in comics and TVs, movies, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, um, for the way I see it, you know, comics are really just a, a form of fantasy literature, whether we're talking about, um, you know, comic books or we're talking about the Lord of the Rings or, or the Chronicles of Narnia, even, um, you know, perhaps uh, Harry Potter to a lesser degree or, um, we're talking about Star Wars or, uh, you know, any kind of fantastic um, literature or, or uh, film or TV. Um, all of these things, if you go back and, and think about um, uh, what was the function of, of this sort of literature, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien had some, some interesting things to say about this, and he wrote an article called um, On Fairy Stories. Uh, where he kind of explored the theory of, of fantasy, and, and, and Tolkien, or um, C.S. Lewis wrote a little bit about this too. Um, and I think, uh, on their view, um, fantasy stories uh, uh, suggest that we have this innate longing for salvation that's built into the human heart, right? So we know, we look around the world, we know something is wrong with the world. And um, so we start to imagine. Um, these stories about a battle between good and evil, because we know that there's uh, evil in the world, and we we have this longing for good to to overcome it. And um, superhero stories are um, an interesting version of this uh, story because they show us um, that you know when when human beings try to imagine a savior who's going to save us from evil, they uh, we as humans instinctively know that our savior has to be human, but also more than human, right? So maybe that's uh, one way of interpreting ancient Greek and Roman myths, and and you have these people who are children of the gods, like Hercules and and things. But um, we get the same idea in in comic books, where these these people who are human beings, but they're more than than just uh, human beings. And so that um, I think we can see uh, superheroes as a kind of echo of, of Christ, um, in the same way that C.S. Lewis thought that Greek myths were an echo of Christ. So there's this, um, you know, eternity built into our hearts, that where God has placed this, uh, this longing for, um, for Christ in us, and uh, so that we instinctively know uh, that it's there. If you think about Paul on, on um, 
uh, Mars Hill, you know, saying, looking at the Greek gods and saying, you know, there's something in here that you, you have this longing for, but you don't know how to name, and that uh, the apologist's job is to help them to name this and, and show how uh, the Christian version of these stories is superior to the, uh, the, the non-Christian version of these stories. And so, um, you know, Marvel stories in particular show us, I think, that, um, you know, all of us as ordinary people are called to be uh, more than we are now, right? So we're, we're all flawed, ordinary people, but we're called to be heroic, um, that we have some sort of power in the world that we're called to use uh, for good, that with power comes responsibility. And I think, um, you know, our job as Christians, uh, then, as apologists, is to show the world um, that the source of true power can only be found in God, and that in, um, in Christ we have this... Um, you know, strength and empowered to then um, bring about uh, a true goodness in the world. Well, finally, I want to end with some fun rapid-fire questions for John. So we're about to head into the summer and the grilling season. So coleslaw or potato salad? Coleslaw. And what was the last restaurant you ate at, and what did you eat? Oh, I think yesterday I went to uh, Rubio's, uh, which is a fish taco place here in Southern California, and had some uh, fish tacos. And in light of today's conversation, what's your favorite Marvel movie? Favorite Marvel movies? Probably, um, probably Doctor Strange, I would say. And if you could travel back in time, where would you go? Mm, good question. Um, I feel like it's kind of a cliche to say, you know, I'd travel back to, you know, the, the first century and, and see... Uh, Jesus, you know, personally. But so, if I'm going to set that aside as too obvious, then maybe travel back to uh, to England um, in the time when you know C.S. Lewis and, and Tolkien were sitting around talking about uh, this stuff and, and have a drink with them and, and talk about uh, you know the theory of mythology and fantasy. Oh, that sounds like a very good uh, time travel adventure. Well, thanks, John, for being a guest on the Postmodern Realities Podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Back in 2015, in the volume 38, number three issue of the Christian Research Journal, today's guest, John McAteer, wrote our cover article for that issue, and it was called The Gospel According to Marvel, and it's available free online at our website, equip.org. To read more cultural apologetics articles, including upcoming features on hip-hop covering Chance the Rapper and Kendrick Lamar, and also an article on the films of the Coen brothers, please subscribe to the journal. A six-issue subscription is $39.50 and and to subscribe online, visit equip.org. We'd like to hear from you, so connect with us on social media, like the Bible Answer Man Facebook page, and follow CRI, Christian Research Journal, Hank Canagraph, and the Bible Answer Man on Twitter. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the Postmodern Realities Podcast on iTunes, and please rate our podcast. Also, share this episode on your social media accounts. Be sure you tune in daily to the Bible Answer Man broadcast, hosted by CRI President Hank Canagraph, who answers your questions live on air. To ask Hank a question, call 888-ASK-HANK Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure you go to equip.org where you can download our free smartphone app on which you can listen to Bible Answer Man broadcast live, listen to previous broadcasts, make a donation, and subscribe to the Christian Research Journal. So until our next author conversation, thanks for listening to the Postmodern Realities Podcast. big
Thank you to Melody and the Postmodern Realities Podcast for sharing this episode with us. It is a bit of an older episode. They got quite a few new ones. Go check them out. Find the Postmodern Realities Podcast all over. Subscribe to it. Follow the social media. Get this podcast in your life. Now, as we said, this was the final LTN Spotlight. So we want to give one more big thank you to all of the podcasts that shared some episodes with us this month. While most of our podcast hosts at the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network were kind of taking a break this month and resetting for the new year, our shows should return the first week of January. Can't wait to see you then. Jesus loves you, nerd. Nerd.